So quarterbacks are going to be compared regardless of what the situation is. Listen, if you're a Bears fan, you know one thing that Mitch Trubisky is always going to be compared to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. But Justin Fields is also going to be compared to guys like Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. Comparisons are the way the NFL works. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears YouTube channel. It's your host, Usaid Koshal and Max Smith. You can follow us on Twitter at Usaid Koshal and at MaxSmithEXM. That's Max with two X's. Make sure you're following Fireside Bears on every social media platform. That's YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Sorry, there's no fancy overlays today. We're having issues with that. But like I mentioned a moment ago, there's always going to be comparisons in the NFL. So one of the things that we're doing this summer here at Fireside Bears is bringing on beat writers from other teams, as in other teams that drafted quarterbacks, to kind of compare these quarterbacks, pick their brain about what these QBs are up to, how minicamp went, how OTAs went. So we've got DJ Bien Ami here from the New York Daily News to talk to us about Zach Wilson. What's going on, DJ? Thanks so much for being on here. Thank you for having me. I uh, appreciate you, you know, you know, having me on. You know, I guess, as you, as you said, these quarterbacks are going to be compared for the rest of their careers. So, you know, it's only good that we could dive into a little bit earlier. Excited to see the really bad graphics on Sunday Night Football for the next five years. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm looking forward to, is seeing them in their weird rendered graphic form. Uh, yeah. I wonder how small they make Zach Wilson compared to the rest, but that, that's <laughs> another point of discussion later on. But yeah, we've got a list of questions. Uh, again, thank you for being on here. Uh, Usaid, I guess I'll kick things off and take some of these, or at least the first one. Um, you kind of mentioned this briefly in our introduction. But we, as, as you mentioned, Jets fans are looking at Zach Wilson as the Messiah. Uh, Twitter, as Usaid said, and as you know, if you follow us on Twitter, we were in a little tough with Jet fans on Twitter uh, because they're very passionate about their guy. And there's nothing wrong with that when you don't have a quarterback for such a long time. You get a second overall pick in a quarterback that blew up the entire NCAA for a year. And everyone was like, who is this kid? Uh, you're going to be happy about it. So what's the overall reaction from your opinion, Jets fan baseball drafting Zach Wilson? Um, and how was the reaction different compared to when the Jets brought in Sam Darnold? Um, so I think so. I, I wasn't I wasn't around uh, when they brought in Sam Darnold. But again, I have talked to some Jets fans. Um, so with Zach Wilson, I think there's more of a consensus among Jets fan base that he's the guy. See, with Sam Darnold, like you could see some of the kinks in the armor, and some people thought he was a little bit overrated because you know he had those turnover issues. So you're concerned, like, will that translate over? But the talent was worth taking over, you know, number three overall. With Zach Wilson, you know, his talent is. Again, like a lot of people, when they watch him, they see Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, even though like he doesn't really have like their arm strength, which arm strength can be developed. Um, but stylistically, play style, you can see that, and everybody wants a Aaron Rodgers. Everybody wants a Patrick Mahomes. So um, there's more buy-in. There's more belief in Zach Wilson versus uh, with Sam Darnold. But then again, like around this time last year, Jet, most Jet fans believe that they had the guy in Sam Darnold. So... Yeah, it's amazing how much can change in a year. And what I find to be really interesting is that Joe Douglas, I mean, he worked in the Bears front office back in 2015. And then Robert Saleh is a guy that 
has been pretty much the hottest name was ultimately in 2021 the hottest name in the head coaching cycle but Saleh was recently on the athletic football show he did a podcast there with Robert Mays and he said that one of the rules was that no one was allowed to talk to anyone so how do you think the Jets brass ultimately settled on Wilson knowing that you had a guy in and I'm not saying this is a guy who covers the Bears but like ultimately you had someone in Justin Fields that a lot of people consider to be just more accomplished because of the competition that Fields played against. But how and why do you think the Jets brass settled on Wilson? Um, so I think uh, Joe Douglas, I read an article about how that all came together from uh, Rich Sanini of ESPN. And it just seemed like Joe Douglas one day was just having, you know, watching some BYU, like a regular game. And then seeing Zach Wilson and it just fell in love with him and through the draft process and just um, whenever they could communicate in some, you know, fashion or form, they just really fell in love with the mental makeup that he provides. Um, because it's pretty it's pretty apparent that Zach Wilson can really blow away people in a, you know, in a meeting or whatnot, you know, interview room because of just his commitment to football. Um, and again, back to just the uh, arm talent uh, that reminds you stylistically of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. It made sense. I mean, me, I was a guy that was saying, you know, they should go. I prefer Justin Fields. I thought just was more physically talented, but I still understood the hype around Zach Wilson. I understood why the Jets were going to go with him. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, hindsight, I mean, we'll, we'll see who's right at the end of the day. Um, but I think it just come down to uh, the mental makeup and how they play stylistically, how he plays stylistically. For sure. Yeah, we, we have stories of the Chicago Bears front office, Brian Pace watching film of guys and Ryan Nagy going in and saying, hey, have you seen this Justin Fields kid after watching one of the live football games uh, and them just sitting there and watching and falling in love with the tape. So, I mean, I guess that's just a standard across the league, which makes sense. They're fans yeah. of the game, too, so they can enjoy it. Uh, but. You know, and it's really early to be saying a lot of these takes that we are, but it is football. We're allowed to say these things. Uh, if they're cold, they'll end up being cold. And if they're hot, then we look like we're geniuses. Uh, but as of today, right now, with OTAs officially over, we're not even in mini camps yet, so it's still way too early. But what's your opinion on Zach Wilson? Uh, you mentioned you rather would have had Justin Fields on the organization, but right now, what is DJ's take on Zach Wilson after OTAs? So far, he's been able to, when everything is, you know, uh, when everything is scheduled, um, he's been able to go through his reads pretty, pretty easily. He's been decisive. Um, most times, he, like, he really thrives on 7-on-7, seven seven, which obviously that's not real football. But, like, that's when he's, like, as the most comfortable and he's able to get through his beat really fast and make a lot of, like, really, really good throws. Um, really good velocity. Really quick release. Um, he doesn't, he, he's rarely had moments where he's been indecisive. Um, or he, he kind of, like, looks like a deer in headlights. Granted, OTAs, T-shirts and shorts, not real football. But um, the quick release and the velocity, because he's been able to fit it in tight windows consistently throughout OTAs, which is pretty impressive. I'll give him that. There are some things that, that stood out strength-wise. Um, weaknesses, uh, whenever they had like some... There was moms where they had like third down periods, um, 11 on 11, where he just wasn't really good. Um, and there were other moments where... Um, I mean, yeah. You know, or when like, let's say like the O-line is kind of collapsing um, sometimes. 
QB like throw off his back foot, make an errant throw. But there's also times like there's pressure. I remember one time I think it might have been the second um, OTA uh, practice or the first one, one of the two, where the pressure came and he was able to identify it and floated a pretty nice wheel route to well, nice deep ball to Michael Carter, who was on the wheel route. But I think we can say this wise. Um, he showed some kinks in the armor when it came to comes to like the pressure, all, all you know, things collapsing around him a little bit. But I wrote in one of my like mailbags today that um, like, I don't want to put too much into that yet because you know the you know I said line's collapsing and wearing t-shirts and shorts. It's kind of hard to see how he'll really react in those situations. Because what if you know? Full pads, we're in a game, and he's able to escape all of that and make plays, uh, you know, in the midst of that. So, um, again, it's, you know, it's really, really early, but uh, the talent, the talent is pretty obvious. The talent is there. The arm, the arm talent is there. Um, velocity, quick release, been able to fit in tight windows, and um, he's been he's been solid going through his reads and hasn't really looked too indecisive. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, one of the biggest issues, and we'll dive into this later as we talk about weapons, is as PFF mentioned, he had one of the best pockets in the entire college football scene. Uh, and especially in the class, he was rushed the least, or at least sacked the least. Uh, so entering that situation at BYU with solid line with some big hog mollies to this current situation at, at the Jets, it only makes sense to have some worries. But I mean, bringing in guys like Elijah Vera Tucker and potentially bringing Morgan Moses is just going to hopefully solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I hope. Yeah, that that's one thing that they've been. You know, there's been some buzz about that. Morgan Morgan Moses might be coming in. Um, I thought the deal would have happened by now. It's just based off of not not, not any sourcing. Like I'm not one of those guys that try to. Because there's been some people that's been like, oh, he should be signing really soon. Like, sure. all right, thanks. <laughs> they locked him in the room. He's not going out. Right, 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 right. You know what I'm saying? But um, I thought it already happened by now. Based off of just some of the, the momentum that I was able to read but if they can bring him in that would really change the whole dynamic of the offensive line because then now you have a back on one side you got Morgan Moses on another side you got Elijah Vera Tucker at, at left guard and then now you can kind of allow for because you know you're not going to have five studs on the offensive line you're going to have you can have three studs and the other two can play off of those studs and you'll be able to you know make things happen that way um, that would be a, a, a real deal game changer um, because um, obviously he, he fits really well into the system, um, which is a wide zone scheme. Um, he's pretty athletic. Um, and, you know, he, he can really, I mean, he'll, he'll, if they can get him that, that would be a major plus. But, you know, I thought it would happen by now, but it hasn't. So maybe it happens sometime this week. We'll see. But, um, yeah, right now they're considered a favorite, and that would be a, a major boost because, again, as you alluded to, Zach Wilson did really well when he wasn't pressured at all. Like he did really well in those in, in those circumstances. So if you know that's what he does well when he's not pressured, then you have to build an infrastructure around him that allows him to thrive within that, that circumstance. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't try to make his weaknesses his strengths. Try to build, um, try to make sure you minimize the opportunities for his weaknesses to be exposed. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it. Morgan Moses is going to be interesting because I know the Bears are in on him as well, and they brought him in for a visit a couple weeks ago. And I think at this point, it's just going to come down to money. But 
moving away from Morgan Moses here. I mean, NFL, we know NFL draft season's all about smoke screens and rumors. So when I see stuff out there about, well, the Jets are considering Zach, yeah, the Jets are considering Wilson at two, I'm really kind of not buying into it because I realize, okay, he's going to be there for them on the board. But at the end of the day, this could be something that the organization just puts out there for the sake of covering themselves up and potentially making another move but at what point did you for sure realize that zach was going to be the guy at second overall hmm. i think hmm. let me see probably after the pro day yeah probably oh actually to the back when steve young said that the, the jets are committed to zach wilson they're already recruiting the family steve young went to byu zach went to byu like you know like uh, Steve Young already had someone relationship. Well, I won't say he had a relationship with Zach, with, with Zach, but he would know. You know what I'm saying? Because he said the Niners wanted him. Uh, he said the Niners wanted him, but obviously the Jets are committed to him and they recruit the family. So that's why I knew. All right, it is what it is at this point. You know what I'm saying? I think they the Jets went to both uh, pro days. Joe Douglas was at both of them. Michael Floyd was at both of them. Uh, Robert didn't go to uh, Fields because I think his wife was giving birth. So he couldn't go to that one, but it just there was just so much momentum after that pro day. And then when Steve Young said that, it was, it was just it was pretty obvious because I was going to write a column that Jets should take Justin Fields, but I'm not going to write a column about that if it's not going to happen. Like there's no like there's it's, it's been pretty obvious that it's just not going to happen. I, I did write a column that you know just to try to go get Julio, but um, like I knew that chance of that happening you know was, was slim, but it wasn't zero. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you know, I would. But with Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, it was just so obvious. And once you hear, like, they're recruiting him and they was locked into him and literally every outlet you went to were all saying that he was going to go to the Jets. It was just like, all right, well, that wasn't going to the Jets. So so probably, like, uh, after Steve Young said, that's when I got it. It's solidified. So moving on to Justin Fields, uh, since since Taylor wasn't there at the pro day, uh, and just 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 on comparisons because like that's kind of the theme of this whole show. Uh, so Justin Fields scouts labeled him dual threat quarterback, phenomenal athlete. Uh, you know they they really love his. Not some people didn't like his throwing motion. Some people had questions about his reads, but all in all, they thought he was just you know a solid quarterback who was willing and his smart quarterback willing to make the big plays. Uh, I look at some comps for Zach Wilson, and I see things like big baller arm, a backyard baller who's just a blast to ru- uh, watch. Uh, you know, really takes time for his progressions. Uh, pretty accurate. So I mean, they're both phenomenal athletes. Um, but what I what I'm interested in is is what are some of the strengths of Wilson's game compared to Fields' uh, game? Are are they similar skill sets? Do you, do you see them being more like butting heads down the line, kind of like that Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, where they're both very similar quarterbacks, but exactly who's better is the big debate for the for the couple of years. Right. Um, so with the with the five on just on a broad scan, uh, you know, broad standpoint, like probably two of them will bust. Like I don't know which ones. I'm being honest. It could be Mac Jones, could be Zach Wilson, sure. Trevor Lawrence. Two of them probably will bust. But I think um, between those two, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, I feel like Zach played the position a little bit like like it was more natural. Um, I think it was a, he had a better release, quicker release. Um, I think Justin Fields had a 
significantly stronger arm. Well, let me not say significantly. Let me say he had a stronger arm. It was apparent he had a stronger arm. Because there was times he was making 65-yard throws, hitting guys on the run. They don't, they're not even waiting for it. Hitting on the run. He had getting more push against Clemson. Um, that, that, that one deep ball. Ooh, that one was so beautiful. But <laughs> Yeah, we watched it a million times on draft night. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so I think that, you know, Justin Fields has a stronger arm. And he's more athletic. And he's bigger. And he's stronger. Um, but I think that Zach Wilson, um, I think threw a more anticipation. Um, I think had a little bit ball, better ball placement. Um, probably had like a slightly better feel for the game. But like, I think the reason why I was like, yo, I would go with Justin Fields because he had more traits, like, like more traits. Because again, we saw this thing last year with, and I'm a Dolphins fan with Tua and Justin Herbert. And it was like a consensus, like, yo, nah, you got to go Tua because Tua is a better quarterback and a better passer and this is and that. And I was in that camp also. And then you see, like, we all knew that Justin Herbert had all the physical tools, but we didn't see it all come together at Oregon. And then he goes and breaks all the rookie records as a, as a you know, all the quarterback rookie records. You know what I'm saying? And then we've seen with Josh Allen where, you know, like the trades, we see the trades, but like, oh, he's inaccurate, that one reads, blah, 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 blah. And now by year three, he finished at the MVP in voting. So um, I kind of just leaned back over to um, sometimes you just got to ride with the trades and then just put them in the best position to succeed. So, um, but I think um, Zach Wilson, where he has the edges is, um, I think he reads defenses a little bit better. Um, but I think that I think that's because of the that was because of the office that he was in Ohio State. They they documented that you know you have to like like Justin Fields just had to wait on his receiver to get open sometimes. And he was and he said like I'm not gonna go through a whole read progression just to prove that I can be a quarterback when we have some of the best receivers in the country and I know they're gonna get open. So um, we I think that we saw more quarterback things from Zach Wilson. And we're kind of doing more projection with, with Justin Fields. But then again, Justin Fields is showing that he can go through these with, with, with no issues. You feel me? So I, I can't wait to see it unravel. I can't wait to see it unravel. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how time progress. Yeah, we're, I'm telling you right now, man, we're super excited to see it unravel as well because for us, I mean, I've heard, and I'm not a big sources person or anything, but I've also, you just hear some stuff being in this business sometimes that you're like, okay, there could be some truth to that. But like, I heard stuff where Matt Nagy's number two quarterback was some guy named Zach Wilson as well, but then he also knew that it wasn't necessarily going to happen. And again, that's just like NFL draft stuff that there may or may not be truth to, but kind of looking at the offensive side of the ball here i mean the jets they drafted denzel mims last year in round two in 2020 and then you know they beef up the offensive line with guys like makai beckton this year four of their the first four draft picks were offensive minded players i mean what's the vibe here with this offensive class yeah i mean it's talented that's for sure elijah Barry tucker is, is damn good um, Elijah Moore is damn good, you know what I'm saying? Michael Carter can play. Uh, Zach Wilson has weapons to work with, you know what I'm saying? Um, the vibe from that class is, it's on the offensive standpoint, is that that can set up the Jets for years to come. You know, you got a you got a left guard that can possibly become a stud. You got a wide receiver that can possibly become, you know, like Elijah Moore has been like, look, so good in OTAs and mini camps, and it might be because. 
that guy, you know, some of the DBs that, you know, that have aren't like the best. And that's just, that's just being nice. Um, and if I'm being honest, Elijah Moore might have gone against better comp at cornerback in college. Okay, he was in he was in SEC, you know what I'm saying? Like that's just me keeping it up uh, 100. But um he looks really good. Michael Carter has a chance to be a starter in week one. Um so the vibe is there's a lot of potential with, with that draft class. And you know, Zach Wilson had some good weapons with Corey Davis, uh, Jameson Crowder, um, Elijah Moore, and Keenan Cole. Um, I know you mentioned Denzel Mans, but right now he's around with the twos. So he's gonna have to earn, he's gonna have to earn uh his, his playing time, to be completely honest. Um, and it just from a, a scheme fit, because Denzel Mims is more of a 50-50, like a, he's he's a really good athlete, uh, but he's more of a 50-50 jump ball receiver uh more of a force feed me the ball and i'm gonna try to make plays that way he doesn't really create a lot of separation he can but he doesn't create a lot of it i mean just during otas too just watching that like he didn't create like a ton of it um but he was doing some like you know like illnesses throughout the offseason non-core related illnesses so maybe that's probably probably played a little bit into that you know just locking off some of that rush um but you know the west coast office is predicated on receivers that can get open um create separation I'm getting in and out of breaks quickly, timing, all of that. And, you know, uh, we have to see if Denzel can, you know, he can fit in that. Corey can fit in that. He's played in that type of offense. Elijah Moore, he specializes in getting in and out of his breaks and, you know, um, being open consistently. And Crowder can do that, um, just like Keenan Cole. So, Denzel Mims is going to have to earn his playing time. Um, so, we'll see how he looks in training camp. But uh, overall, though, that offensive class that the Jets brought in, these past two years, it has potential. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Elijah Moore was on my big board. You know, sadly didn't take him, but hey, we got Justin Fields out of it, so I, I guess it's okay. Um, <laughs> but I mean, names like Elijah Moore, uh, Corey Davis, uh, Crowder, Braxton Berrios just report today that he was Zach Wilson's favorite target during OTAs. I mean, and he had a pretty breakout season for for his market and what he was dealing with. So he's only has nowhere to go but up. I think there's a lot of young talent in that offense, and I think it's exciting to surround them. So I think the Jets are definitely a team to be looking at if people aren't. Um, they're looking in the wrong direction. And I, mean, and I know you had Tevin Jenkins on your big board, so I guess we, we traded who we wanted there. Yeah, uh, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. I love uh, it. Tevin, Tevin is ours, but you got Elijah Moore. So, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a good trade. Uh, but because you guys brought in uh, Elijah Bear Tucker, fantastic guard, uh, we brought in Tevin Jenkins to, to help bolster our line because we had a bunch of line issues. Uh, Michael Carter was also a guy on my board. I think he's a steal at the fourth round. I think it was a fantastic pick. Uh, and he's perfect for that wide zone scheme. I think it's incredibly important for young quarterbacks to have a reliable run game to rely, like just in case things go bad, they need to build some confidence, get some of those snaps in. At least they can rely on that run game. Do you see Michael Carter being that for Zach Wilson, kind of allowing Zach to rely on Carter? Because he's also a great option in the pass game as well. He's just a beast of an athlete. So right. where, where, do you, where do you see that relationship going? So uh, they want to run a they want to run a uh, running back by committee uh, thing. So I could see like Zach Wilson still getting that um, run protection, but I I don't see Michael Carter being a bell cow. I see him just being able to contribute. Him, Tim Coleman, maybe Ty Johnson, maybe uh, Michael Pirine. Um, that that quadruplet of running backs just being able to provide. I think the, the run game will still be there regardless. But I just feel like he'll be able to. Uh, Michael, Michael, 
I feel like Michael Carter will be a two. He probably he might be the starter week one. But either way, Zach Wilson is going to have a solid run game to, to lean on regardless. And as you alluded to um, eloquently, that it's really good for a running back, I think a quarterback to have a good running game to take the pressure off of him, you know? Um, not everybody can do what Justin Herbert did year one. Um, even when Baker set his records, he had Nick Chubb in the backfield toting that thing. So it helps a lot. RG3, his rookie year where he went crazy. Alfred Moore's ran for I think 1600, 16 or eighteen hundred yards that year. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, like he was really toting it that year. Um, same with Dak. Zeke I think led yep. the league in rushing that year. So, um, I mean, Lamar had Mark Ingram. I mean, he was putting up astronomical numbers, but he was super reliable too. Exa- exactly. So, um, as you said, as I stated, you can have that. The, if they can get that run game for Zach. That only make it uh, easier. How Michael Carter fits into that, I think he fits into it as a contributor. That's uh, for sure. All right. So how about situations here? Because I know that the Jets, they have three quarterbacks on the roster, James Morgan, Zach Wilson, and I believe it's Mike Mike White. Um, and none of those guys have ever thrown an NFL pass, whereas you look at some of these other quarterbacks. I mean, Mac Jones is Cam Newton. Justin Fields is Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. How do you think the lack of an, a veteran NFL mentor is going to impact Zach Wilson? Impact. See, that one, I'm not really too sure. I know that it would help, right? Like That's kind of common sense. But um, I'm not too sure, like, exactly. Like, I mean, obviously, you can have something to lean on and actually, like, the ropes about, like, how to go through, you know, preparing for a game and what, you know, you're seeing that, um, what with the mentors seeing that maybe you're not seeing. Um, I know that Brian Fitzpatrick and Tua had that relationship last year, but I mean, I mean, I, I think it helped more from a mental standpoint. Obviously, it helped a lot mentally, but. I'm not really too sure, like how much it truly helped. I I, I don't think that's quantifiable, to be honest. Um, you know, I think that's one of those phrases that we in the media sometimes we just throw out because it, one, it sounds good and it makes sense, but it's kind of hard to quantify it um, exactly, like how to be able to help besides film study and going over reads and how to be an NFL quarterback and things like that. Um, so I think that would help. So it doesn't get like overwhelmed and he has something they can rely on. Um, but I think that, you know, the Jets will probably be in the market for a backup quarterback when training camp rolls, uh, rolls around, probably like Nick phone or something like that. Um, but we'll see, though. We'll see, though. And I, I think that it would help, obviously, off the field, obviously, you know, from just learning how to be an NFL quarterback. But um, I can't really quantify exactly how, like, that would truly help uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think it's the, the joke about the Kansas City model, right? Where it's like, what exactly is a Kansas City model? It's the, the concept that only two quarterbacks come to mind where they were in a role mentor mentoree situation, and that's Jimmy G with Tom Brady, and then, of course, Patrick Mahomes with uh, Alex Smith. But the question is, how much did Tom teach? Or I guess then you could go Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, but we know that Brett Favre didn't really work with Aaron ever. So there's, you're, you're completely right. It's not like a data metric that you can point at and go, yeah, he really made a big impact. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm entirely sold. That's why I'm saying 
let's ship Nick Foles off. Let's ship Andy Dalton off. If we're really going with Justin as our guy. Right. Uh, with that being said, tons of rumors flying again, since we're not sources guy, but we talk about the sources because that's how the media game works, uh, that the Jets make a play for Nick Foles. Uh, they didn't like what they saw uh, over at San Francisco. So they said, why don't we look to somewhere else? And the number one veteran now, probably not going to play a game, but sitting on the bench right now, who has Super Bowl experience, he's Super Bowl MVP, uh, is Nick Foles. So, uh, do you think there's any validity in that? Do you think there's a chance Foles ends up in New York this season? Um, I think it, I think there's a chance for it for sure. Um, we just have to see how desperate the Jets eventually get. Like, if they're like, oh, we got to get a better quarterback game coming. Robert Sala has said that, and eh, we don't really need one. We'll kind of be doing that for a cause. comfortable. Um, so I don't know if they will get one, get him, but um, I know that they discussed Nick Mullins, but they never ever, like, it never got serious. And then again, with, with Nick Holmes, it's kind of just, I'm more like wait and see. I, I mean, they should, because again, let's say Zach Wilson gets hurt, then now you're kind of, you're kind of stuck. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be hard for you, it'll be hard, really hard for you to win games with James Morgan and, and Mike White. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a chance for it. Jeff to let everything play out on that front. So switching over to the defensive side of the ball here, but it's gonna have to factor Zach Wilson into this. I mean, the Jets they have CJ Mosley, they have Marcus May as well, so some pretty good defensive pieces. I mean, Quinn Williams is kind of one of the leaders on that defensive line. How equipped is that unit to take the pressure off Zach Wilson, especially knowing that a lot of these NFL teams, what they're basically doing now is relying on the defense throughout the first couple of years of a rookie's contract um, to kind of help, like, get that rookie used to the NFL game. Um. So, with the defense, we didn't come down to how good is the defensive line because the way the defense is constructed is from the front back. So, like, the Dolphins' defense is constructed from the back front. Like, they want really good DBs. And then they'll scheme up pressure. The Jazz, they want really good defensive. They want really good defensive line. And then they'll, um, then you know, everything play off of that. Like the whole defense is predicated on how good the defensive line is, which is why Robert Sala's defense at his best was when he had that dominant defensive line in San Francisco, and everybody else played off of that. And then obviously they still had they had uh, Fred Warner, they had Jimmy uh, Ward, they had. Richard Sherman, so they were able to really feast that way. Um, obviously, just don't have as dominant of a defensive line. They don't have a Fred Warner, they don't have Richard Sherman, but Marcus May is really good. Jamar, uh, Marcus Joyner, the Jets have really enjoyed what they've seen from him. Um, Carl Lawson should have a really good year. Um, if Quentin Williams can recover from his, you know, his uh, broken foot, I guess he'll have a he'll continue to ascend. He has like he has star potential. Uh, Carl Austin, same. And Carl Austin, extremely explosive. So, um, and then we'll, oh, and we also see how much CJ Mosley can get back to that Baltimore Ravens all second team all pro form. But um, they should be able for sure to take a, take some pressure off of Zach. Like I don't think it'll be a situation where Zach's not getting the shootouts for the Jets to win games. Um, not every week, of course, but you know there'll be some weeks where it'll be like that because again, like. Stuff happens, especially Robert Sala is a first-year head coach. Uh, Zach is a first-year rookie. The offensive coordinator is a first-year offensive coordinator. You know what I'm saying? There's so many first years. Um, a lot of first-year contributors uh, all over the 
going to be all over the field with y'all offensively um, and in the staff. But again, I uh, I think the defense, the defensive line can really play to the potential, and that that the, the defense will be able to carry the offense at least for the you know uh, as the offense continues to figure out their kinks as the season progresses early on and eventually the offense starts to pick up. Yeah, I think that's a really important point is that a lot of people don't really know that there's a blank slate in New York right now uh, over at the Jets locker room, that there's just a bunch of people who are, you know, giving it the old college try, saying how they can do. Uh, and that's that's incredibly interesting to me because I don't even know the last time we've had first year positions in like the entire locker room where everyone's just kind of figuring it out as they go. Uh, so that might be a cool vibe to be in because you're learning with each other and you're trying to figure out each other's skills. Uh, but if it's tried and true, like you said at the beginning, we'll see it unravel and it's an exciting storyline to unravel. Uh, but I, I, back to back to Wilson. Um, I the number one complaint about Wilson was he's a one-year superstar at BYU who's in a non-power conference and a majority of his competition was non-power. So my question is, I know he has the talents, I know he's athletic, but he was dealing with relatively smaller size defenders at BYU compared to what Justin Fields was dealing with at Ohio State and Big Ten and SEC play. Uh, but he, the first thing he said when reporters asked here in Chicago media, what's the biggest difference compared to college in the NFL? He said, it's the front, it's it's the front four. It's like, they're, they're just much bigger than they were at Ohio State. So that got me going in my mind, wow, that means that the guys from Zach Wilson is seeing must be two times bigger than what Justin Fields is seeing. Um, like, are you hearing anything about difficulty with him? And I know they're in shorts and, and in shirts right now, but is there any difficulty with dealing with, with any of those defense alignment you alluded that not so much, but is there any area of concern for that? Right now, not 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 yet. I mean, you know, eventually they're getting pads and they're probably, you know, concerns. We'll see if there are concerns. Um, I can't remember it again. They can't get hit in practice. Um, but eventually, you know, they'll, uh, once, once preseason come around, and we'll see how you can handle. I think the first preseason game is against the Giants, and the Giants have a good defensive line. Yeah. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll get. And then the next week, I think it's um, the next week is uh, against uh, the Packers. The Packers also have a good front seven. So we'll see how he handles that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that yet. Cause I'm more like, let me see it first. I know that he wasn't great under pressure in 2019. Uh, I mean, just overall, he wasn't that good in 2019. But I know that uh, you know, 2020, he didn't really face too much pressure, so he's able to capitalize on that. So when it comes to that deep, you know, defensive line getting after him, we just gotta see on that front um, as time progresses. Right? Cause we will see eventually. Like we'll see in less than less than seven weeks, we'll see how he looks. Once he's going, because the Jets have a really good defensive line. Carl Austin, Sheldon Rankin, Quentin Williams. So he's, he's going to see some of that pressure. So we'll see how he handles it then, and then we'll see how he handles it again, too. So quick follow-up here regarding the defense. Um, Just how have they responded to Zach Wilson throughout OTAs and minicamp? I mean, what's that been like? Because there are more experienced I mean, you, Lebrett, you had like a list of names, you know, CJ Mosley, Carl Lawson, Quinnen Williams. The Jets on the defensive side of the ball, the Jets are just clearly more experienced than most of the offensive players. I mean, I think the most experienced offensive player on the offensive side of the ball right now would be Jamison Crowder. But how has the defense responded to Wilson? 
they right now the Bobby team is uh, they 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 like Wilson. Um, every time we ask about them, they're they're speaking very positively positively about him. Obviously, it's still pretty early, so they're still getting adapted to him. But they they've liked what they've seen so far. Um, so they the chemistry seems good right now. You know, once they say they start one five, it's going to change just a little bit, but. Um, you know, we gotta just kind of give it some time right now. But right now, man, they've been really enjoying having Wilson in camp. But then again, like a lot of Jet players love Sam Darnold, so it's kind of, I mean, more about like how you carry yourself. Zach Wilson does carry himself like um, one of the guys in this in that sense, and is really committed to working hard and trying to be the best that he can be. And players gravitate towards that. I'd like Sam Darnold too if he was buying bottles uh, every Saturday night at the club. That that's just my opinion. I don't know if Zach's doing that, but he might. He might be. Uh, you know, first time outside of outside of BYU, finally uh, drink something that's not you know just straight milk all the time. Um, right. <laughs> so, but I, I have I have a you know kind of random question here because you're you're from South Florida. Uh, I'm I'm in Florida. I'm from Florida. I understand okay. how important dolphins are to people in South Florida. Uh, how is it a bit? What? What part of Florida are you in? Oh, right now I'm in North Florida. Uh, I'm I'm I lived in Central Florida for a while. I went to college in Central Florida, uh, but I have lots of friends and family down in South Florida. So, well, what what part of North Florida? Right outside of Jacksonville. So, like St. Augustine? No, on the other side of the river. So I'm kind of in like the boons, the the rural part here on okay. the other side, so like Green Cove area, Clay okay. County. The, I was I was living in St. Augustine before I got this job to cover the Jets, so that's why, that's why I had Yeah, dude, St. Augustine's great. Love Florida. It's a great place to be. Um, not so much great football. I guess Tampa Bay changed that, uh, which yeah, was weird yeah. saying, but it's Tom Brady effect. Uh, is it a bit of a conflict of interest for you? You know, like, who do you root for? The Jets or, or, or the, the, the Finns? So, like, if the Jets aren't playing the Finns, then, you know, <laughs> you know I root for the the Dolphins, but if the Jets are playing defense, then I have to just cover the game. Whatever happens, happens. I've already said, like, the Dolphins win. I won't make too much of a fuss about it. If the Jets win, um, I'll re- report it accordingly, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like accordingly, and then if the Jets fans give me shit, I'll just accept it. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then that will be that for the most part, but it is funny, because, you know, like, on my top 32 teams list where I want to cover, the Jets are probably, like, 30th. The Patriots were 31st and number 32, believe it or not, the Dolphins. I would never want to cover the Dolphins, ever, ever. Sure. So, so who would be number one on your list then of like teams you could cover? Number one, right now, everybody, everybody would say Kansas City, but I don't know how much I would enjoy covering that. Maybe, well, yeah, I guess you can, you know, just to be, I never thought about it. So I'd probably say maybe Kansas City. Um, you can't say maybe, I hate Tom Brady, but then again, covering him would be fun. In Tampa Bay, not in New England, but in Tampa Bay, that'd be fun. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Whichever team, actually, whichever team, I have to look it up, whichever team had the most guys from Florida. That's the team I want to cover. <laughs> that's the team I want to cover. Gotcha. All right, so last one here before we get you out of here, but there's been a trend in the NFL the last couple of years in terms of teams bringing in offensive-minded head coaches and then drafting quarterbacks. I mean, you know, Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, 
Sean McVay, Matt Nagy would be a couple names. You look at the Bengals and Zach Taylor last year. Um, but I'm curious to know, I mean, these head coaches oversee the development of these young quarterbacks. Now, how is this whole thing going to work with the Jets? Because Robert Sala is the head guy there, but he's a defensive mind head coach. So what do you think the roles of the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur and quarterbacks coach Rob Calabrese are going to be? Do you think that knowing that LaFleur has a relationship with Robert Sally from their days in San Francisco, but who do you think of these three guys is going to have the loudest voice in the room when it comes to um, Wilson's development? Michael, Michael Ford, without question, is for sure going to be Michael Ford. He's the offensive coordinator. Um, he's a former quarterback's coach. He's a passing game coordinator. Um, that's who Robert Sala brought over to be the offensive coordinator. Um, he was going to, obviously, he was going to have a loud voice with Sam Darnold if they would have kept him. Um, so yeah, that's for sure going to be Michael Floor. Michael Floor on this staff probably knows this system better than anybody, the West Coast offense. They probably know it better than anybody outside of Greg because he's been, he's been, he's worked with them with the Niners since the, in the 90s. So he's seen the evolution of the offense. But outside of him, it's for sure Michael Floor. Um, so yeah, I think for sure going to be on Michael Floor without, without question because he's, he's worked with, he was there in Cleveland when they had Johnny Menzel because he was the offensive and he was an uh, intern. He was there, um, obviously, in Atlanta when Matt Ryan had his two MVP, one MVP season, the other pretty good um, season. And he was in San Francisco with Jimmy G. He's seen CJ, uh, he's seen um, Nick Mullins. So he's worked with young quarterbacks, old quarterbacks um, in some capacity. So I think for sure it'll be Michael Ford. Better than Matt Gaze. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> pleasure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be, like I said, you know, these guys are going to be compared. And then as soon as we get a feel for, I want to say in two or three years, about how these guys have really panned out, the, you know, hindsight narratives are never going to stop. And yeah, it. Yeah, because again, we're still dealing with, you know, the Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson thing in Chicago to this day, because that was a draft class that, like, altered, you know, altered the NFL landscape. But man, thanks for joining us. Real quick before we get you out of here, where can people find your work? I'm at the New York Daily News, and I'm on Twitter at DJ. Uh, B-I-E-N-A-I-N-E DJ Bianame. But you can find my work at the New York Daily News, so. And if you watch this, go on your Google Calendar from two years from today and then make sure to add us on anything we said here that can come back to bite us in the ass. Make sure you do that, please. Definitely. 100%. Thanks so much for being on here. Um, You know you know where to find us, so hit us up in the DMs if you ever need anything, man. And uh, yeah, hope to do this again in the future. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks. All right, Bears fans. So that was DJ Bienemy of the New York Daily News. Once again, you can follow him on Twitter at DJ Bienemy. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Kosho. You can follow Max on Twitter at Max Smith ESM. Hey, listen, we're doing a lot here at Fireside Bears, even though it's the slow portion of the NFL offseason. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Guys, our content's all over the place from articles to Instagram reels to funny TikToks. TikToks making fun of the Packers to 
Facebook articles, just articles in general. We are taking over the Bears game. But, hey, listen, that's going to do it from us. We'll see you guys in a couple days here when we sit down with a official employee of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization to talk about quarterback Trevor Lawrence. But good morning, good evening, and good night. We'll catch you guys next week. So peace out.